Ohio gozaimas. This is the Curse Discussions podcast. I am Chucky Arlaw. Today with me is Mr. Zog. Uh, we got up really early for this episode, so you better fucking listen to it. Um, so today we wanted to discuss the merits, the likelihood, the uh, strategies behind secession and things to watch internationally, things to watch within the U.S. for, you know, secessionist movements, the ideology of pan-secessionism, to what extent libertarians should endorse it, all that good stuff. Um, so, I think one of the first topics that we should cover when we're talking about this is, you know, this is sort of newsworthy recently, um, the, the Three Californias Initiative which is derivative of the earlier Six Californias initiative. Um, if you remember, this was a few years back. There was a proposal to break California up into six states. Um, it didn't ever quite go anywhere, and this was because like, a lot of liberals were accusing them, were accusing conservatives of being behind the proposal and wanting to uh, you know, break California up so they could get more uh, representatives for themselves from West California or East California and stuff like that. And this new proposal is, is quickly gathering signatures, and I think it might actually get enough to be on the ballot here. The other one did as well, but uh, a lot of the signatures were actually discounted. Do you have an opinion on that, uh, Mr. Zog? What do you think? Do you think it's a good thing, or do you think it might... Um, should, should we be rooting for this as libertarians? I mean, there's... I can't really find any strategic reason not to because breaking up that fucking wasteland that is California is a universal good the, the, the serious answer is that it was intended to better represent demographics in these various areas and a lot of even when you talk about secession to other people what a lot of people do is it's um, they'll sacralize the states the 50 states in the union even though most of them are just you know, geographic constructs, they don't really represent anything more than that. And California is, is, is pretty much like that. I mean, remember when California was first admitted um, into the Union, it, it, it had, didn't have nearly as many people as it, as it does now. It was one of the least populated states in the Union. And even today, the differences and interests of people in San Francisco and conservatives in the suburbs is so drastically different that you need widely varying representatives and yeah, breaking them probably in the three wouldn't even be enough. I do think around about five or six would be I'd say that's the appropriate. The only argument against it I could find is that um, like, like, oh, one group would dominate, though, and, and that's bad for, for some reason, because, you know, they have an unquestioned majority, even though a bunch of shit libs in San Francisco have very little to do with people in the East, and they aren't going to move to each other, so, hey, you, you question why not, it's, you know, the people who want to leave should move within 10 years, and they don't, well, it's, it's, a small price to pay. I think moving, like demographics who are stuck and not, are now a minority in certain places, is one of those things that uh, people who are against secession will always whine about, but I don't think that's a, a tactical problem when you compare the alternative. I mean, I, I think in the case of uh, you know mere secession of a state and still within the whole, the overarching U.S. system, I don't think that we'd see... You probably wouldn't see a lot of people moving as a result of that, although you might see it a little bit depending on how dramatic the change in political climate was as a result of the secession. However, uh, that kind of brings me to a point which, you know, I, I generally agree with, with basically what you said about that, and I think that it's probably reasonable for libertarians to be rooting for this every California's thing. But I'll say this I think that, you know, we talk about how it's it's not a good idea to sacralize when we're looking at secessionist plans, uh, the particular boundaries of the U.S. I, w I would say, though, that if we're talking about practical secession, if we're talking about like what is most likely to actually happen, 
it probably would have to do with uh, actual states, right? As opposed to, you know, something like, oh, we're going to secede in, and form, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know, what, what was that one Ryan made, the fucking Lakota state or, or you know, something like that. I mean, I guess... Or, or the Christian state around... Like, I feel like it's a lot more likely that we would see something like Alaska as a state, you know, although w which he did give, in fairness, as a particularist movement, or or even California as a state. I think that's more likely than we, for we see the progressive states of America ever seceding, right? And, and so I think that one concern might be that if you divide California into three, that that's going to weaken the uh, Yes California movement, which also has surprisingly gained um, a significant amount of traction. It, it's sort of interesting that you've got sort of these different solutions to the California question, which I guess uh, has become a thing for normies now, which is somewhat exciting. Um, with some people wanting to break it up within the U.S. and some people wanting it to leave the U.S. entirely. Now, to be fair, I think the U.S. federal government would, you know, be, I would probably consider it a disaster, right, if, if California ever were to leave, even a Republican administration, even, it would be good for them electorally, right, but just the amount of um, resource, not resources, but the amount of, like, economic infrastructure that's there, you, you know, you have Hollywood, that's a huge cultural force in America, I think that federal government would be very uh, reluctant to let them go. However, that being said, I'm not sure what would actually happen if they were to vote to leave. You know, would, I, don't, I don't know if the government would try to hold them by force or what. Um, with, with, I'm going to go with your, your first point there about breaking up the if we were to break up California into like three states, you could object to it on the grounds of it would weaken the independence movement. I don't think that's actually true because I think the only people in California that actively support secession enough to vote for the California National Party are like San Franciscans and like a dozen or so conservatives in the suburbs. I don't think it's nearly strong enough the more east you go because everyone who believes in an independent California nation sadly is a fucking prog. So I don't I don't think that would be true. But um, I don't think. That's one of the things people will hang up on when they when they talk about secession. Oh, oh, is the government going to invade? And I, I don't think that the answer is yes. I, I think it's pretty decisively if if there were if there was enough demand to secede, and they they demand, oh, you have you know X and Y votes from you know these towns and shit. I don't think the government could say no. I mean, they, they could obviously they could just send in the national guard and violently crush it, but that would look like terrible in the international community so maybe if they were you know oh the, the fucking panhandle in Oklahoma wants to you know tell the feds to fuck off they could probably crush that but I don't think they would actually crush like Texas seceding or something like that. that that's just sounds very impractical and like a disaster for the administration uh, well I mean that would be what I would hope as well but you know I, the lesson I've learned from recent uh, the recent Catalonia stuff is that sometimes you can just kind of get away with it, right? At least in the short term, right? Because what we saw there was very clear, right? Like the people of Catalonia voted to secede from Spain. Uh, the Spanish just sent in the police to beat the fuck out of them. And, yeah, but ca and but then the, the international community was fine with it. Yeah, but Catalonians don't have guns. We do. <laughs> oh, well, sure. But I don't think that, you know, if, if the they had shot back or something, if they had, you know, started shooting at the police, I don't think that that would have... Uh, you know, made it any better for them. I mean, if we're talking about the possibility of actually winning a war, then I, I don't know, may, like, perhaps California could wear the U.S. down or Catalonia could wear Spain down in a war, but I don't think that there's, like, a lot of willingness to, to really do that in, in either case. Right, that's that's why I don't think war would ever happen. It, either the U.S. would if you can, I think if the U.S. could crush them reliably, using only like the state's national guard in like three months, then maybe. 
but, but war, I don't, I don't think the U.S. would ever bother war and just invade some, you know, oh, we, no, we formed a fucking, you know, the Deseret Empire. Now, the U.S. isn't really going to invade that, even if it's like a theocracy who gives you shit, right? Some fucking, like, hick from Georgia who goes through logs of coke as it does not care about Deseret or keeping it in the Union. I, mean, I, no I don't one thinks know like that. that. I think that like most likely that hick from Georgia is probably a Trumpenzy, probably someone who is really into the uh, right, right, right. But what I'm saying is they don't care enough for war. They want it to stay in the union, but I don't think they give that much of a shit. I think they do care enough for war. I think you're probably mistaken about that. I think they care enough about you know here here's their standard for going to war. They'll they'll go to war if they you know the news tells them that like some Muslim is being mean or something. They'll be like, bomb them, we need to bomb the hell out of them. You think they're going to tolerate it if, like, you know, the fucking shit libs want to secede in California? No, they're going to be like, bomb the hell out of them. Oh, yeah, with California, yeah, yeah, probably right. I'm talking about anything that, you know, isn't California. Like, if Texas tried to secede, I don't think it would be. I think, honestly, it just depends on what kind of states wants to secede. Well, like, yeah, th that's a good point. If it's something that seems conservative, Texas, I think that the conservative movement would be about split on it. And I think that the... Um, but the the left would be probably almost almost unanimously opposed, with maybe a few people saying "let him go." The left would cross their arms and say, "Well, we can't do that," but they wouldn't. They wouldn't really care enough. The thing about war, well, I think I think California is a weird example because I, I think if if, if Let's say, you know, oh, we got these, like, three shitholes in California. Like, you could have this, the cities of San Francisco and Los Angeles declare their independence and just, those could be, like, functional city-states, right? I think the rest of it, I think if you remove those, like, you could remove the top five cities from California and, like, everything else would be, you know, well, we could stay in the Union, I guess, because... Well, I don't like it. Most secessionist sentiment in California is 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 progs. So I don't I don't, well, I don't think that kind of brings up a, the point that you were making earlier about this, right? And this is something I feel uh, should be pointed out is that you're talking about how if California was split up into three or six or whatever, it probably wouldn't harm the secessionist movement, considering that most of the secessionists are you know the harder core progressives who live in a geographically concentrated region anyway. But I would kind of disagree with that because I think that even even if it's the case that most of the people who want to secede from the United States who live in California live in like, I don't know, the valley or, or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know California's geography. Um, it, even if that's the case... I, I think they'd be much more likely to support secession if they felt like they had a wider area which would be more viable as an independent country as opposed to, you know, a really small area they'd be more reluctant to leave the U.S. And also I think that um, if you kind of split up California, that sort of harms the California identity a little bit. And I think California has one of the stronger identities in the U.S., right? There's certain states that are more likely to have, you know, like, you know, they got California Republic or whatever. Like, Texas has that really strong. Um, Vermont has that, right? But I think that California is one of those states. And so part of the reason why there's a secessionist movement there in California as opposed to, say, a strong secessionist movement in, like, uh, the Northeast, like, in... in say Maine, I mean, or, or, or not Maine, like, say, like, Massachusetts. Massachusetts is really shit Libby, too, right? They also really don't like Trump. But it doesn't have nearly as strong of, a, like, a, a unique independent identity as California, and that's why we're not seeing any kind of yes Massachusetts campaign, right? And I think that it might harm that identity and therefore make secession less likely if we were to split the state up, in addition to just the it being less of a viable country. 
I would argue the political representation that comes from splitting them up into three or whatever fucking, however you want to divide that up, different states is is would ultimately be better because that's getting voted. That's that's gathering signatures and uh, secessionism. It's it's just more politically viable. I, I don't think I don't think the identity of a Californian identity is is strong enough in an actual political perspective like oh you know Californians will you know wear bare republic shirts and all that kind of shit but I don't think it's strong enough I think it depends on if you ask your average Californian would you die for an independent Californian republic and most of the answers would be no because no, they, they no, don't most really of them wouldn't die for it and most of them wouldn't vote for it either but there's a, a larger um, subsection of them that would vote for it but who would not die but, but I have a problem with the idea of state identity because it, it doesn't really exist. Like, you like it's like with Texas. Texan identity, well, Texan and Californian identities do technically exist, but it's not in the current borders. Like, sure, well, sure. Like, 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 like Dallas and Austin are not are not. I mean, Dallas at least certainly isn't Texan, and Austin is not Texan. Everything in the Northeast is is Anglophonic Texan. Everything like. Fucking um, what's that insanely Hispanic city on the border? Like my mind's drawing a fucking blank, but that's not Texas, right? That's just having to fall within Texas borders. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I and think if if you were to divide like Texas even in like three three states, a really Hispanic one, a middle one, and a northeastern, I think that northeastern one would probably have a higher chance of secession than a than this fucking qua Texas, for example, because you'd you'd concentrate most of the people who like it. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I feel like okay, that might be, it would it would depend on the context of the secession, right? I mean, if maybe if um, if the like Hispanic state was like if the if the are sorry if the Texas state was like called Texas and the other ones weren't, if somehow that Texas identity was was the strongest. I mean, I I, I don't know. It'd be hard, right? Like, it, it, to dissolve Texas into its like constituent parts, um, I think it would have to. One of them would have to, like, within the context of that um, partition, would have to clearly be like known as the Texas, right? And if that's the case, maybe you're right. Does that make sense? You kind of know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, but it, it just happens to deal with the fact that most, pretty much all states are pretty much just geographical constructs. They aren't really based on any like, concise demographic. You can find like like one or two. Like there would be, There's no real sense of like balkanizing Hawaii, for example, but that's a special case. Like... You could you could divide Texas on demographic grounds and, and it just really works. I, the only thing, the only argument I guess that I could find is like an unintended um, consequence thing, like you're talking about. But I don't think secession is likely enough in the current political climate that that becomes reasonable. I'd argue that once most people got a taste of uh, the kind of like partitioning their state and like three different ones, they'd probably be more favorable towards independence and if they aren't, they'd still be living under a way more representative um, political organization. Okay. That it, 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 it reaches a point to where, I mean, yeah, you, you could probably end up to a point where, you know, they become your average like fucking Californian settler unionist, but I don't think that would happen. I, I think it's so, that such a risk is so low, it's, you know, it's, you know, whatever. Alright, well, let's move on to a different topic. So, you know, we've talked before about the, uh, the All Nations Party, which I guess is something that, you know, uh, Ryan was LARPing about <clears throat> a few years ago. That's kind of funny pretending he had a party. But, um, you know, if something similar to that actually existed, I, like I'm, I'm wondering if it, how viable it would be or how it would actually function mechanically in the the current U.S. political system, right? Because the U.S. is sort of interesting, right? It's got a, a presidential system. You know, it doesn't have a parliament. So I think that that makes something like 
like a federation of local parties a little bit more difficult to uh, achieve, right? Because you can't really have like coalitions as easily. But I mean, I don't know. Someone would have to come up with a way for that to actually work electorally. I mean, I guess what you could do is just have. Uh, you know, whatever, the, the Libertarian Party, the Black Party, the White Party, whatever. Um, like, You're talking more about locally, like, but um, have their candidates declare themselves to be for so the all-nation So just party. basically like the caucus system. Yeah. Uh, in, in the current U.S. political climate, like, an insanely identity-based one? Probably not. No, I don't, I don't think you could do one of those reliably and not get called racist because you have, you know... Well, why is... If it's... If the U.S. system you're saying is insanely identity-based, why would that make it uh, less likely that this would work? I'm, I'm saying making an identity-based um, party would, would is less likely because the current U.S. political climate is, is so against the idea. I'm not saying the current climate okay, is, yeah. is very identity-based. I'm saying it, the, the current U.S. climate is very anti-identity. That you couldn't, there, if, if let's say let's, if there's a fucking, you know, an all-nations party and they have like 20 different candidates who run for various groups, like, there's a guy who wants to, you know, form a, a state for blacks, like, in like northern, like, basically Atlanta, and then there's another guy who wants to fucking, like, federate the Midwest into some Native American LARP, those, those guys would be, you know slandered and it well it would depend on who it was like some guy who advocated for a white state in the in the pacific northwest would basically be crucified and the guy who's like trying to larp as malcolm x would you know be less so but you'd still face a really big amount of um backlash for this oh for sure you would um I don't know how much that would matter to the people I, who no, actually I, vote I don't for you. Think that the, um, I don't think that the time is, is right for something like that either. Um, but what I'm wondering is, is not more like, okay, so supposing it was, supposing that people were more inclined towards uh, pan-secessionism, you know, or, you know, for whatever reason, ideologically, how do you think it would work electorally having such a party trying to compete with the Republicans and the Democrats? Mm, that depends. Where do you... Well, it's like, let's see, that's, that's a really hard question to answer because I'm tempted to just to say it wouldn't make any big inroads. It would take, like, 20 years to build up any base of support, but I think you could run it in very... If you could run it in, like, you know, like, where are you running it? What, what kind of strategy are you going with? Who's the candidate? Yeah. But... If you tell me value neutral, if the, um, you know, some, it's a set, basically a secessionist forum more than anything. If you were running one of those candidates in, like, Illinois, you know, it, it, it'd probably be dead on arrival. But if you, if you ran it in, like, some, like, Texan villages, it'd probably be more appealing. I think long-term, a big pan-secession forum would exist as, like, a, like a gathering pretty much like 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 the alliance of democratic national parties and like like shit like that you know how around the world there's those big uh, conglomerations of like 100 different parties yeah but that's kind of my point is that those typically exist in parliamentary systems where, where it's easier to do that mm, well, they don't, they can pretty much I mean, uh, I guess the biggest analogy in the US is that, I mean so the democrats and the republicans and, and other parties as well. Sort of, you know, if we go back to like the 19th century and earlier, um, they, they used to be less ideological and more kind of federations of different local interests, right? Like you had, I know in the late 19th century, the Republicans were sort of an alliance of basically like Midwestern, like German farmers and shit. And well, well, that that's 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 more of a coincidence in tribalism, like. Oh, certain sure. so for certain parties, I, I, yeah, but that, that's that's that gonna that happen. Sort of that's gonna happen with literally any party voting though. and stuff today, too, to some extent. Obviously, I mean, well, like, not to some, to to a significant degree, right? But it was more explicit back then. They're, I think they they didn't pretend as much to be 
to have like a unifying ideology and they were more just explicitly like alliances of different local interests but I, 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 I think that would be that you're right they were more explicit but they weren't but they're not any less implicit right there's a reason you know alt writers will say that that the Republicans are you know the party of white people and the Dems are the party of you know various minorities like 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 Republicans implicitly serve white interests because like the alternative is some dim and fucking you know New York letting in a thirty gorillion immigrants and fucking everything up like it's implicitly white identity politics and they it, it, you know implicitly allow it and you know they're not going to come out and say well they can't do that anymore because it would it would kill like most of their voter base because people pretty subconsciously vote in their racial interest even if they don't want to think they do i don't think it's any more implicitly or any less implicitly tribal than it was back then it's just less explicit like back in the day you could have like the know nothing party and a bunch of other coconut babu parties and you could say proudly on like a banner we hate niggers you can't I mean, do that that's today. not my point though i'm not saying that the U.S. is is less tribal, although I, I'm not sure I would actually agree with like um, the extent of your or your your characterization of like. I mean, well, I'll say this: the I think that the um, uh, the racialization of the U.S. parties has been accelerating in recent years, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't always that way, right? Like, even if we go back, I mean, obviously the Republicans have have had for quite a while. Um, mm. Like, the wait wait wait, you're you're arguing that like back in the day it wasn't as racially based. Oh, for sure. I mean, one example of that would be like you know, Asians used to vote Republican. I mean, as did the, as did um, the, uh, Middle Eastern groups, right? Like, you know, so it wasn't like now. I would say the Republican Party is increasingly looking like uh, the party of of white people, as you put it. But I mean, you can you can go back and and find um, like other minority groups who used to vote Republican who are uh, increasingly like less leaning towards Republican. And Hispanics obviously were they were always Democrat leaning, but they were used to be sort of substantially less Democrat leaning than they are now. Like I mean, that, that's Hispanics voting Democrats. One of those you could talk about that like for like for like five hours because that's that's a very fractured history. But like, um, I, I disagree with the idea that they were a whole lot less racially based because I mean, especially for the Dems, they they banked fucking hard on the idea that they were the white man's party, especially like the first. Oh no no no! I'm not talking about I'm not talking about when I say back in the day or well, I didn't say back in the day. Like but how old? Are we I'm talking not talking like? about that far back, right? I'm talking about, like, so I, I'm saying that the parties have become increasingly racialized within the last several electoral cycles, like presidential elections. So, say, um, since around the time of like, like, like Reagan and, and George H. W. Bush and people like that, like Clinton. Um, so like, then, so like, the parties you, have become more racialized. When, when were they the least racialized? Do you think? Then? Oh, I, I, I'm not really sure. Because I, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't think that they were ever. I mean, there were like periods like Reagan. I mean, you know, like that, would you that, disagree to with what I just said that they have become more racialized since then? I think that would be kind of hard to argue with. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, but I don't think they were ever. Mm, I don't think people ever voted based on their ideological conscience or that bullshit. Oh, no, I don't, no, I don't think so. Think so. No. But, but I'm saying that they had always been like this. I'm saying that they were probably Basically, more... Well, okay, the, the specific... So I think that... So in gen, like, so people vote as a rule based on, on tribal factors, right, rather than based on ideology. We know this from looking at, you know, polling of, of uh, people who... I mean... One example of this, this is the most extreme thing, is there's, a, you know, according to polling, even black people who literally hold the opinion that the Republican Party not only is better for the country in general, but is specifically better for black people, right, they will still on average vote for Democrats, right? So they, they, they and, and that's kind of a weird thing, too, because that sort of implies that 
is not necessarily like group interests as much as it is group identity, right? Where they, they must feel <coughs> some sort of like that, like they're being a cuck or being bad. I mean, I, whatever they feel like they, they have a strong like group um, aversion to voting Republican, even if they think it might have been a good idea. And, and you could see the same sort of for some certain, uh, you know, rural, poorer whites who vote Republican, uh, even though uh, if you look at the, you know, the polling data on, on certain issues, they align more closely with the Democrats, right? They're not, they're, they're populists, basically. They don't give a shit about, like, cutting taxes for, for the rich Ooh, cutting ta- which is that's that's always funny to see like shit loves getting triggered about that um you know oh they're voting against their own interests that always triggered me quite a bit this is going on a tangent now but you know democrats talking about oh people are voting against their own interests like right right, you know, right. Do, do you not know Rawls he's your own fucking great philosopher you like shit live piece of fucking shit uh, Any, you know, you're not you're supposed that. to vote against your own. In, you're supposed to vote for what you think is best for the country. You're not supposed to vote for your own <laughs> interests. You naked, like tribalist fuck. Like the whole the whole point of post-racial democracy is that oh we have to we have to keep America safe. We have to vote in her interests. Like it was never about oh well group Y doesn't like group X. Like ultimately. I like tribal politics because I think it's it's better in multiracial qual democracy. But like, you want to really take that hard, we end up with like a situation in Africa where, you know, you have a some illiterate militiamen banging down your door because you don't belong to President Garbabagalu's tribe. Yeah, I mean, I would say too though to make the point that I was um, going for. So I I don't think that it's that politics has become. Uh, like any more, more tribe, more tribal overall. Although perhaps it has, you know, I'm not really sure about that. But I think that um, th- just the point I was making is that the Republican Party has become whiter, right? And that's, I mean, the statistics speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah, that, that's absolutely and true. The Democratic that's Party true. has become less white. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, as a whole, I, I don't. Um, no, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, the the statistics are certainly true. I mean, there's there's no denying it that Republicans, um, you know, the Republican Party. I wouldn't say like white people are becoming more Republican, but the Republican Party is certainly way more white than it was well, you know, white 30 people years are ago. Becoming more Republican. Mm, I mean, they're becoming more conservative, but well, that's like just, I mean, just just that's just uh, generational. The Republicans are winning the white vote by wider margin, although. It's, what's interesting is that in the last election, I mean, Donald Trump was a fairly bad candidate electorally. Um, and oh, he yeah. ended up, uh, so he ended up doing worse among college-educated whites, but obviously significantly better among non-college-educated whites. Um, I feel like that statistic just exists, so some guy with an African studies degree can feel good about himself because he voted for uh, Bernie. Yeah. Sure. It's, yeah, been, but never. but overall, uh, whites have increasingly been voting Republican. I guess that's true. Probably right. It's one of those things I haven't looked up statistics for because I I look more to like group political consciousness rather than what uh, they voted for the blue tribe or the red tribe. That's actually part of something that's that's caused. Um, like why the uh, electoral impact of the like demographic shift towards Hispanics has not been as dramatic as some people have predicted, right? Is because um, in certain states where like you've, you've seen a lot of Hispanic immigration, like the Southwest or you know whatever, um, the the increase in, in Hispanics has sort of been compensated for by. Um, basically the whites who lived in those states becoming more conservative and so they haven't gone as I, blue I, as you might have expected now I, I don't know if that'll keep up with current immigration trends but well mm, no obviously you know that wouldn't like, continue like, indefinitely if you had more and more hispanics however it is also the case that the uh tide of hispanic immigration now is stemmed Bit. Although you know, the demographic shift continues, but that's mostly a function of differing birth rates. And the differing birth rates are also 
closing currently. You know, the Hispanic uh, fertility, although currently above whites, is now uh, falling. Mm, yeah, that just depends if it's going to keep up with immigration. Because Hispanics, on average, have seem to have lower kids as time goes on. You could, well, that's well, really that's true with every single group. I don't, yes, I don't think is. there's any group. I don't yes. think there's a single group that actually, like, the more generations you have, the less kids you have. This is universally true. I don't think there's any any group that yeah, does not I mean, follow this that, trend. That's sort of an interesting phenomenon just demographically in itself, right? Like, the idea of... Um, well, the thing about it is because a lot of these people come from, like, second and third world countries, and I guess it, after, like, you know, three generations, it gets in their head, oh, I, I should stop having 20 fucking kids that I can't pay for. Right, I'm, there, I'm, there's, there's different factors perfect. that, but like what seems to underlie them, at least to me, is is sort of basically just abundance, right? Is that for whatever reason, whatever the mechanics of that are, um, the longer people live in abundance, the uh, less like they they just reproduce less, and also I think that that that's tied mm. to more liberal social attitudes as well. That, that mm. Yes. In situations of abundance. I mean, when you're, it's kind of hard to have kids when you're killing them all. But um, yeah, as, as society becomes more, I guess, technologically advanced, you will have less kids because there's less need to have them, and right. you don't need to have twenty of them because they they live more than you know thirty five. And, and of course, this this affects different populations at different rates, right? You know, because we've got. Um, uh, you know, for example, like Africans right now, they're having, you know, one of the reasons we're going to see a population explosion in Africa is because, um, you know, they're sort of behind the curve. But as they catch up... What's going to happen is, in, in you see this in, like, Pakistan and India, the worst period for a nation is when it's developing, but it's, it's not... Um, it's, 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 it's getting to be, you know, a... A semi-developed nation like like Mexico, like no, not Mexico. I would say like like most of the Slavic countries would fall under this banner of what I call seven ten developed nations. They're industrialized and developed, but you know they're held back by some you know crippling problem, right? They're like crippling sure. economic problem. That's the 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 bit before that is the worst part because they have what, enough resources. What do you mean by worst part? For for, for population growth because it, it's too explosive. They have enough kids that where they can sustain them, but it's it's you know it's sure. it's they don't have enough to. It's it's not sustainable long term. Like oh, you know, Pajit can have twenty kids, but instead of half of them dying out from rabies or the fuck. They, they live right, right, right. just I, it, long it takes, enough to fuck everything up. They, they get into, you know, they still have the mentality of like having like tons of kids where they don't like die in like infancy or whatever, but now they actually survive. Right, births right? don't become eugenic yet. But but eventually, like, you know, that, that's the thing their, I was, their yeah, behavior thing sort of shifts to adapt to this scenario. This thing the generations, to right? Adapt to the economic you know, situation. You know, uh, fucking, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about, you know, Oh, the the base Arab Christian immigrant, you know, he has you know ten kids because half of them are gonna get slaughtered in the Middle East, you know. But yeah, he stops having them as progressively as generations as by the time his grandkids, well, by the time his great grandkids roll around, you know, they have like two kids because it's finally gotten in their head that they need to stop breeding like fucking rabbits. Sure, sure. I think I think it's I think it's very very generational, very very generational. That's why you have a bunch of you know aging fucking. GI generation people who are like nearly all dead and they're all whining because you know they're like Gen X you know great grandchildren don't have you know 30 kids because they didn't need them so to kind of bring this back to secession I think that's interesting in terms of like how uh, demographic shifts uh, affect secession particularly internationally um, I know that you know like demographic shifts um, where, for example, like like a like a drive. This isn't exactly secession, but where a driving force in, in the decolonization movements in um, you know, uh, South Africa and Rhodesia, for wait, example. Wait, wait, wait. I'm almost stop here right there. So you're arguing that secession movements were no, tied. To I'm sorry. This is Africa? not exactly secession, but the decolonization movement 
in uh, South Africa and Rhodesia was propelled very significantly by a shift in demographics. And I think that it works the same way to a significant degree with secession, right? I mean, um, one example of that that's in the current day would, I guess, be Northern Ireland, where, uh, you know, Catholics are reproducing faster than Protestants. Um, And obviously, uh, 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 they are more likely to favor seceding from the UK and, and rejoining uh, the Republic of Ireland Shaki Arla uh, <laughs> but Protestants are breeding slower and they're the, they're the stalwarts who want to stay in the UK so there's geopolitical uh, implications for secession there the geopolitical ramification for Ulster would be to like just say fuck it and just make it its own independent, independent nation that's the best solution but you know Ulster uh, nationalism. Little, I mean, I don't, little, know. I don't know if we want to get get too far into the Irish question right now. Um, no, I, I mean, I have very strong question. opinions about that, but but I think that that sort of deserves its own episode, actually. Do a whole thing on that. So, a little side note: the 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 guy who ran what was called the Ulster Home. It was um, it was the only real movement that was in favor of uh, an Ulster Republic. He was a um, he was an American, but he had an American wife. I think it was. And she apparently got him really into neo-Confederate literature, and that was his inspiration. Uh, it, was, it was some weird stuff. This? Oh fuck, dude! I could not tell you his name. He was, um, I think he's basically like a fascist now. <laughs> um, so maybe that would that would uh, feed into the alliance the, between the, the, uh, yeah. the Confederacy. What's the, his name? Uh, it's something yeah. I'd have to look up, dude. I, I really don't remember his name. Um, okay, but, but anyway. The decolonization movement. I, well, I don't know. That, that was just an interesting point about, like, I, well, I don't know how interesting it was, but that was a point about how demographics might affect secession, right? And, and we can even talk about this within the United States as well, right? I mean, obviously, you know, as, yeah. as, as the I, alt-right, you know, like, constantly talks about... Um, you know, the U.S. is becoming less white, for example. Um, so I think that that does, um, excuse me, that does, um, lend more credence to the creation of, like, ethno-nationalist states than the U.S., although it still is quite unlikely. Yeah, basically. But, um... There's a point I wanted to make about this. The fucking demographic shifts in, like, certain areas is interesting because I, I don't... Um, it depends on how ethno-nationalist the secession movement was, if you have it with you. If you want to argue, you're arguing that demographics affect secession movements, and that's, that's true, but I think it depends on how much you actually built your secession movement on oh dude we're all, we're all white dude like like a bunch of spics moving into the pacific northwest don't give a shit about cascadia right mm-hmm. well i mean cascadia, I, think, I think it depends on on what cascadia was built on right i think they potentially could if it was um uh if cascadia was i mean if cascadia was a white nationalist project right then i i, I think that they would probably be not only would they not give a shit they'd be actively opposed to it but if it wasn't, I don't necessarily think that they would um, be against it. Although maybe they would a little bit, since Hispanics tend to, and, and a lot of these low, low information political actors, or, or you know, who tend to be like poor, all times minorities. Yeah, you know, they have they, sky they, they high time. Of, I, I've noticed they sort of seem to tend to be a bit of a reactionary force, right? <laughs> Where they sort of yeah. default to the status quo, supporting the status quo. Um, or maybe something a bit, like, a little bit to the welfare side of the status quo. But that's that's sort of how it works with the bread and circus. I mean, that's, for, for, I mean, just for example, how Hispanics supported uh, Clinton over Sanders in the Democratic primary. Um, right. Uh, I, I, I think that it maybe for some of the same reasons they might, uh, even, if, even if Cascadia was not... A, a white nationalist project who was just a neutral like or even maybe a progressive like movement to secede from the 
the U.S., I think Hispanics might be a little bit hesitant to get on board. I, I, I think, though, that that could be counteracted if they were seceding in uh, Atslan or whatever, you know, like if, there, <laughs> if it was an explicitly Hispanic ethno-nationalist state, I think they'd be more friendly to that. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I mean, you have a bag yeah, That was a funny idea, but um, you could you could argue about the. I would argue frequently the validity of a of a of a, of a spic state, as I call it, in the um in the areas where they have like such a strong demographic presence. But it, uh, states like that would be kind of hard to kind of hard to maintain for. What I hope are obvious reasons that I won't go into because it's way too complicated and long. Um, the idea with these, yeah, the thing about it's like I said, how much you build your movement on ethno nationalism, and I think like like you'd probably have, for example, some white people who'd support you know Atslan, where the fuck. Because they would, you know, like, maybe you'd have some really autistic libertarians who think it would, like, lead to greater political decentralization, but I don't think that's strong enough to even warrant, like, even vague consideration, really. The people who, the people whose opinions on oh, secession matter, so? no, I really don't think are so. You, are, but are you not in favor of uh, Atslan or whatever leaving the U.S.? Yes, but that's not, that doesn't mean I actually advocate for it, though. It's, it's like... I'm confused. I think there's a difference between saying, yeah, you should do that, and actual advocacy. I think there's a difference between the thing. That sounds like some new speak shit, but it really isn't. Like, I don't advocate for fucking, um, like, So you're saying you're passively, you're more or less indifferent to it, but if it happened, you'd be fine with it? Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care enough to, you know, say, oh, do you, do you guys should. Okay, the, the, that's like, interesting like, because uh, there sort of is like a, a general rightist. Uh, libertarian sort of uh, tendency where people actively sort of agitate for not only states that they would want to live in, but other states as well to secede. I mean, for example, like this is like my, I, I don't know how exactly this applies to Atslan or whatever, but um, I would like, for example, probably be significantly in favor of the California leaving the U.S., uh, not because I'd want to live in an independent California, but because it would probably make the rest of the U.S. better. And I know, like, you know, for example, there's people in the U.K. who live in England who are libertarians. I know who uh, favor Scottish secession for similar reasons. The, I mean, let me think real quick. Basically... The reason I wouldn't be, oh, I'm not going to go out and see, you, you, you know, tell a bunch of Spicks and Arnold who live in shitty villages in the Rio Grande, I'm not going to promote them seceding anywhere because of, of demographic reasons. Because <laughs> I, I do think, really, my, my opinion on secession movements, I generally am a pan-secessionist. I support, you know, some group Y asserting, you know, their, you know, right to autonomy and all that kind of shit. But... I, I, it depends on how much I like them. I know that sounds kind of stupid and tribalistic, but the reason I, no, I, I, don't, I, I don't I don't think Atslan is this universally great idea if it I happened. I think that that's actually a very good point, right? And this is something that I try to bring up. This is sort of a reservation that I have about pan-secessionism as a libertarian, right? I, I, I think that some a lot of times certain libertarians... I think that there's a tendency in some circles to get it confused, like, to, to think that it's a goal rather than a strategy, right? Whereas, in my opinion, the goal of pan-secessionism as a libertarian is not just, like, so we can have these, like, atrocidad... You know, fucking, you know, you know we like Cascadia fucking... or, or whatever it is. Like, I don't care about those states in themselves. But I, I would like eventually to use that as a vehicle to uh, have a libertarian state somewhere in like New Hampshire or or wherever, right? Um, right, like, like you know. So whenever, if we can exploit whenever... it in that in that case, I'd be in favor of it. But you know, I I'm not super enthusiastic about like you know if there wasn't going to be a libertarian state, should we partition in the U.S.? Eh, I guess. 
I don't. I mean, but I, I'm not going to care as much. Sure, certainly. Um, and, and I think too like, that there are cases where secession can actually make things worse, right? Like yeah, yeah. We, we'll get into that in a second. The thing about think about secession was this. You know, whenever you bring up secession, you know, you'll have some guy who read the Agorist Manifesto once and say, "Well, you don't have any right to a state," and they're right, but it's it's they miss the point, right? No one has any right to a state, but they have the right to autonomy. And if X and Y brings even you know greater autonomy within a group, or they even if they think it is, that that's that's I would argue morally justifiable. It's but but I well okay. See here's the you know, thing though is that group, if if you're talking a, a, about you're saying that like okay so a group would have more autonomy just by virtue of the fact that they. Um, if, if, like, so suppose, like, a bunch of people are Democrats, right, and they all live geographically close to one another, and they all have some loose consensus on the, the policies of the Democratic platform. Okay, fine. Um, if they secede from the U.S., they are more likely to, you know, they, they all agree on these policies, but the thing is they still don't consent necessarily to the state right and and obviously maybe it might be the case that if it was a small enough group you could you know go around and ask each one of them whether they like agreed to have the state and they might all say yes but then what happens you know maybe they wouldn't agree with specific stuff and and their rights would still be being violated in that case but but also like and somewhat more importantly um you would have obviously a minority of people who didn't didn't want any, to be involved in that at all, but just happen to live there, and I don't think that, like, as a libertarian, I you know, like, th there's the meme to say, you know, oh, we prioritize defending the smallest minority who is the individual, and I and I sort of take that to heart here, right? Where like, basically, you know, the default norm is private property, you know, individual freedom, individual autonomy. Um, and it's not like establishing a state or whatever. So even if suppose there's only like a, a small minority of people who like just don't do not want anything to do with this totalitarian hell state. I don't think it's better off for everyone if if the majority in that area has more autonomy, so-called to oppress uh, the minority there. Right. Like it doesn't like. It doesn't matter like if there's more of them, right? Because they're advocating for the bad thing, uh, or or for not. I, I mean, it is a bad thing, but it could be justified if everyone agreed to it. But if everyone agreed to it, it you know, if everyone doesn't agree to it, it's not any better just because they have a majority in that area. So I, I would object to like autonomy on those grounds, and I think that there are cases like. The case that I usually like to bring up is is like Syria, okay? So Syria is ruled by sort of like a, a uh, Alawite kind of upper crust who's sort of, you know, more they have a more moderate take on Islam. They're more Western, more uh, more more progressive, you might say. And in this context, I do think progressivism is probably a good thing. Um, but you have a majority who are sort of basically, you know, sympathetic at least to Sunni fundamentalism and they live more in the west as opposed, or sorry, the east of Syria as opposed to the coastal coastal regions. And I think that um, it, like imagine suppose you were to have eastern Syria seceding and it just became like a theocratic Islamist shithole, right? You know, is that really better than just having like or or it's like say it's explicitly run by ISIS. Suppose ISIS makes the deal with Assad and they say, okay, we just want to own eastern Syria. We're not going to try and take over the whole country anymore. Assad says, okay. I don't think that's a better outcome than Assad just defeating them in a war and dominating them, and and that therefore means that the whole country is more libertarian, has more individual rights, even if it's not the democratic will of the majority. I like I I feel like there's in these notions of national sovereignty, national autonomy, they're sort of baked in some sort of underlying sentiment of democracy, which I don't really agree with. That's uh, arguing that ISIS is a secession movement. That's a little uh, 
It's no, really no, no, no. I'm not torture. arguing that ISIS is the secession movement. I'm s hypothetically saying if it were a secession movement, which it very well could be, right? I mean, there's no reason why ISIS couldn't make a deal with Assad, you know, like a, some sort of peace treaty. That very well could happen. Mm, three years ago, you might have a point, but I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay, but but you're missing the point. It, it's not. It's just about um, if this had happened, right? What should we do as libertarians? I think we should oppose it. But if you, you know, overvalue pan-secessionism, as I think some people do, um, then we should apparently support it. I uh, the thing really, about, I think that. Oh, oh, go ahead. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's ever been like. A serious consideration though the thing about states at you you i don't think uh, states seceding to become more totalitarian isn't really like i was ever never been a very like ever like i looked into this and i'm states that seceded and became more authoritarian than the states they seceded from that's never been something that ever consistently happened and whenever it did it was you know, for like a brief time, and like you know, they they eventually you know liberalized. Whatever the fuck, I I think, I mean, yeah, in a situation like that, you'd probably want the uh, SAA probably telling them to eat shit. But I don't think that's that was ever been like a serious consideration to the point where it would work as a hypothetical. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that there's there's okay. Well, one example of this, I mean, this is going to be pretty controversial, but other than free trade. I think the Confederacy was probably, you know, overall had worse laws and stuff than the Union. Now, in this particular case, I still would say it'd be better if the Confederacy had won, because I think, uh, you know, it was sort of a unique situation where uh, the, the Union had recently become worse, and I think Lincoln's brand of totalitarian federalism would have been discredited uh, by losing the war. However, I, you know, I, I think that that's, that's one easy case right there, where I think the Confederacy probably had more authoritarian, worse policies overall than the Union, other than free trade. By 1864, like, you'd, you'd, you'd probably be correct, but I think if, if no war happened, I don't think the, the CSA would have been that much more authoritarian. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, slavery, uh, slavery, slavery, we but, can, you we know. We can debate to what extent. Uh, it was just sort of like necessary war measures or, or whatever, but I think that that's just a, a general, like that's just an easy like one-off example, right? Like I I would be very mm, no, you know, like, you like can, just you can. just the the claim that it's it's so rare for like a state, you know, why would it be rare for like a a, a state to be worse, less libertarian than the one it secedes from? I think that that's pretty common in history. I like. Right, but what I'm saying is that it's not authoritarian enough to justify some insanely, you know, high casualty invasion, right? Oh, well, sure, sure, sure. Like, you can like, that's debate, what I'm saying. You can, like, yeah, you can sure, debate you know, about whether, whether... Let's oh, say Scotland wants to secede from, like, you know, the UK, and, you know, they say, oh, we'll have X and Y policy that makes us a bit more authoritarian. I don't think that would justify the fucking British army invading and killing a bunch no, of people. No, 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 no. If there's going to be a war, that's one thing. Right, but like, if you can, I, I'm just saying, no. So you have to weigh the outcome against the means, right? Because I'm saying that it would be a better outcome if they don't secede, not that it would be, not that a that justifies the means of having a war. Although it would, I think it depends on how how bad the war is, right? You could maybe have a war that was over very quickly, where not a lot of people died, where not a lot of property was destroyed. But but anyway, um, I think we should say that. Um, I, I mostly would endorse pan-secessionism in, con in democratic contexts, and I think less so in, in more authoritarian contexts. And, and the reason is, is because there's the basic argument for pan-secessionism that in with somewhere like Scotland or California or Catalonia or whatever, if, if those regions are more left-leaning, right, then that makes the rest of the country probably more libertarian, right? Because... You know, you're you're getting rid of them electorally, and it's electoral boon for the rest of the country because you don't have to deal with those people anymore. However, in a context where you're not democratic in the first place, right? Like such as in Syria, I don't see 
I don't think that really applies. I don't see any reason to support pan-secessionism in that case. I, I'd, I'd probably agree with you if there was any serious attempt for that, but, but there isn't. But you brought up a good point that um, us seceding will make uh, the state you live in, you know, more libertarian. I think if we, that's one of the reasons a lot of people would say, oh yeah, you, you should totally, California should totally secede because you'd remove like their 50 or so, whatever the fuck kind of electors they get because they have, you know, you know, the most amount of people in the union. I think that would be a, that would be just a net good. I think that alone would actually justify secession. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. I, yeah, you know, I support yes. California like even if oh, that. you know, yeah, yeah, they get you know universal health care and become a shithole to live in. It doesn't matter that much, right? But again, I, I, my point is just that I think that that really applies mainly to like democracies, but it doesn't really apply as much to like monarchies or dictatorships or whatever probably anyway um with that do you have any final points i think we're uh, getting to that time to end the show here one final point i want to bring up is like pan-secessionism as it relates to political ideologies because um when we were talking about falk and his a&p earlier he a map he constantly drew up was splitting the U.S. along ideological lines, and it was like the Democratic States of America, the Republican States of America, the fucking there was like a Libertarian Covenant in like Vermont and Northern Massachusetts, stupid shit like that. And I think it's really stupid to consider that as like a serious thing. Like thinking about political secession, like oh, along political lines, like oh, you know, we're political ideas state. That's what I call them. The, the idea is very silly. Like, some fucking corn farmer from Iowa has very little to do with, you know, some fucking factory work, like a burnout factory worker from, like, you know, Pennsylvania or the fuck. Like, you know, you could say, oh, this, you know, that Pennsylvania factory worker lives in, like, a Republican voting village, and the Iowan corn farmer who lives in, you know, wherever the fuck Iowans live. That, yeah, 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 that, that could, um, that could fucking, they might have some vague interests because they vote for the Red Tribe, but overall you'd, you'd run into so many cultural conflicts that it would deteriorate within like two years. Like, 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 the fucking, like, Blue Tribe and Red Tribe have... When you look at the people who vote for them, it's uh, it's completely out of convenience. People probably wouldn't vote for these people if, you know, we weren't some, you know, two-party diarchy. So forming these, you know, massive states based off it seems insanely unstable and pretty much feels like it would collapse like the first sign of conflict. Like, you know, you could form ethno-states and idea states, but you wouldn't remove conflict. And if you wanted to say oh this you know let's say let's say northeastern vermont which well most of vermont let's just say all of vermont becomes like a bernie sanders ruled you know you know he fucking states a dictatorship where the fuck and he goes through all his dumb progressive policies but maintaining a vermontian state based on progressive policies is really unstable and doesn't actually ever seem to happen unless it's really specific like you know, people will say, oh, we should support, you know, a neo-confederacy because it'll be, you know, have certain political ideologies. But that's not why people secede usually, unless it's something really specific, like Texans will cite, you know, oh, we're just being anti-federal because we want to secede. But in reality, they bank upon cultural and economic reasons for their secessions. Sure. I mean, as I said, like, you know, I, I think that uh, Ryan's... Um stuff is, is a little bit well i don't want to say it's unrealistic i mean because obviously but it's uh his disdain for like particularism in in terms of like partitioning the u.s on the basis of geographic or or cultural stuff independent of ideology is is a little bit would make secession a little bit more tricky but i do think that Ideally, it would be, you know, secession would be based on political ideology a little bit more. 
um but i think that if we were going to implement it, we would have to sort of mix it together you know we want to make it as ideological as possible, but i think the more cultural uh we make it the easier it's going to be to actually implement the secession so i'm sort of a big brain centrist on that but in any case that i guess concludes our show once again i've been chucky r law today is mr zog has been with me uh thanks for coming on uh you can write us a discussion at curse uh <laughs> write us an email at curse discussions at gmail.com thanks for listening and uh, we will see you guys next time.